Hey guys, before we get started today, I did just want to address something that's kind of a big issue and it doesn't get talked about a lot, so I just want to get out in front of it and just make sure everybody's aware of this. So every year, millions of fantasy football owners are affected by bad roster choices. If you've been one of the millions affected by a poor roster choice, whether that's affected your dynasty team, redraft team, or guillotine league team, there is help. There are answers. Visit rotoheat.com for help with your bad roster moves. And don't be the victim of bad roster choices any longer. Hey guys, welcome into another episode of the officially unofficial Roto Heat Guillotine League podcast. I'm Kevin Kloss. Craig is chatting with us today about his unfortunate demise from the league. Really kind of got unlucky. Multiple stud-level running backs on IR. Patterson, who somehow isn't running back eligible. Don't take that up with me. That's not my fault. He's on a bye anyway. Justin Herbert and the Chargers massively disappoint. And here he is coming on to chat with me. So we're going to jump into that right now. Craig, thank you for unfortunately having the distinction of coming on and chatting this week about what I would say was a pretty good run in the guillotine league. Thanks for making some time for this. Yeah, not a problem at all. Glad to be on and uh, go over the league and uh, my failings. You know, it's funny. I was I was looking over the roster, and I would say if there is someone, and this this is no consolation to you, I understand, but if there's someone who I feel like really kind of got screwed over in terms of how they got bounced, I really feel like it's you, honestly. And like I said, I know that's not helpful, but so to kind of wind that tape back a bit, how did you feel about the team either after you drafted it or heading into this week? Like, did you feel good about the roster overall? Uh, No, not really. (laughs) I knew that if the Chargers had a bad week, the way mm-hmm. that things were set up with that team, that it was going to go poorly for me. Um, and that's you know exactly what happened. Running back uh, was weak. Once Montgomery went out, it was bad. And I you know tried to get Carson, and clearly that didn't work. I had found some pieces that would get me by if, again, the rest of my team held their own. Um, and it's just one of those weeks where the Chargers fell flat. So that did me in. You know, that it's, it's funny. That's, you know, if I was to say, like, what did I, what was my takeaway looking at your team? You kind of just summed it up right there. Justin Herbert, obviously, great young quarterback, high ceiling. Moving forward, he's some someone you would have had a lot of confidence in. And he's throwing a Keenan Allen. You know, the fact that you were able to pair those two guys together. When the Chargers are rolling, that means your team is doing real well. And unfortunately, you know, that Baltimore game just kind of got away from them. They were getting gashed in the run game on defense, and then they're just playing catch-up the whole time. It just never really came together. When you Did you pair those two guys together specifically, Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert, or was that just kind of how it fell to you? Well, I had gotten Herbert off of waivers at one mm. point. Um, he had been on another team, and I knew the way that things were going with the Browns. I was going to need a different quarterback. Baker wasn't going to have me survive for the whole year. So I I don't recall exactly how much, but I had spent a decent amount of money to go get him when he was available. And I did do that on purpose other than needing a quarterback. That team had been rolling, um, and Trevor Lawrence was a guy I had dropped for him. And, you know, 
Trevor hasn't been doing a whole lot either. So I was trying to upgrade my team at that point and it worked. Um, but yeah, it was with the goal of kind of pairing him with Keenan and just having a better offense in general. Yeah, as I looked through through the roster, and I did not realize this, obviously, as I follow the chat throughout the course of the weekend, I can see you popping in to, to express maybe your concern. I can see the scoreboard. I can see how, you know, you're kind of near the bottom there. But until I really went back and looked at your bench, I mean, you have two what I would consider high-level running backs on IR that, you know, if either of those guys play, you're fine. Losing David Montgomery and Chris Carson, that's really hard to try to replace at this point in the season, you know, when a lot of people still have a decent amount of fab left, and there's just not a ton, unless you're willing to drop hundreds, and I do mean hundreds and hundreds of dollars, it's hard to replace that kind of level of running back. When when you knew you were out both those guys, did you try to spend up real big, or do you remember what your process was the week before during waivers? Yeah, I had tried to add some players. I had waiver requests in for some of the other running backs that were out there. Um, I had tried to get Alex Collins was one of them. I know, and I mean, nothing huge really. Uh, weeks ago when Aaron Jones had been dropped, I tried to get him because I knew outside of Montgomery, there wasn't really a, a steady presence. I got Khalil Herbert cheap, which was mm-hmm. nice. I liked that. Um, and he did fine for me uh, for what, you know, I paid and being someone, but yeah, with those two guys hurt and then the mix of Cordell Patterson being on by and also not being able to play him as a running back in any week, you know, that wasn't going to help me at the running back position, the way uh, MFL has it set up. So that was that and tight end, although tight end is just such a crapshoot anyway, those were my two clear weaknesses. So I want you to just explain explain it to me because you're a bright guy, you know, I've seen you around Roto Heat enough to know that you know what you're doing. I want you I want to understand what was the thought process behind Brandon Bolden over Melvin Gordon and not to rub salt in the wound, but if you flip it, you're still around going into week 7. So why bench Melvin Gordon? Well, he had had some sort of you know injury or he was dinged up and it really wasn't completely clear early on if he was going to play. And then the main thinking with Bolden was that game that they were going to be having. Um, I think it was Dallas that they played last week. It did end up being somewhat of a shootout. Mm-hmm. And I figured, well, you know, he's sort of their pass catching back. Hopefully that'll get me some PPR upside. Uh, didn't end up going that way. So yeah, in hindsight, Maybe it is safer to go with a guy once they said Gordon was going to play while well, they're going to be using him, you know, pretty much in that timeshare. But I was hoping to, you know, gain some ground on points, and I didn't figure that Brandon Bolden was a complete boomer bust play, which he did basically end up being. Yeah, kind of. I mean, honestly, when you factor in the fact that you've got Montgomery and Carson both on IR. You've got uh, Patterson, like you said, not just on bye, but also not running back eligible. And then Gordon comes into the week with that injury designation. Like, that is a hell of a predicament to be in, knowing that, you know, two of your higher-scoring players, Ian Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, are going up against a really good pass defense in uh, Baltimore. You know, that's that's so that's so hard for you heading into, head, heading into that week. 
I want to say like, oh, here's what you could have done differently. But honestly, I'm not sure what I would have done either if I were you in that scenario. Is In terms of guillotine leagues, what are you? Is this like a maiden voyage or first guillotine league? Have you done these for a couple of years? What's your experience prior to this year in guillotine? This is the first and only one I've ever been in. So this is the be all end all for me at this point. And uh, I do like them. You know, it's most of my leagues are dynasty leagues, which I enjoy doing them, but it, at some point you get that, all right, you know, this is my team. You're, you're not completely doing churn and burn throughout the year, which can be fun. And they, they being guillotine leagues are certainly very different and fun in their own right. And probably to me a little bit more fun than even redraft um, because there is that, you know, danger of every week being out of the league element and I'll probably do some more next year. Sully got me into them. I'd listen to the show that they did on guillotine leagues on YouTube this year. And uh, he had posted about, it. I'm like, well, that seems interesting and different. So I gave it a try and I did like it despite, you know, making it only about a third of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think I think regardless of how long you last, and honestly, this is usually historically around the time that I end up going out anyway, I enjoy them. And I think you're right when you say that it's just, it's very much, it's a different experience week to week. It's also a very different approach, as, as I'm sure you, you see now, you know, going through the draft. The draft is, is much different in terms of how you have to approach that. Waivers are a lot different in terms of how you have to yeah. look at certain acquisitions. So... Do you have any like big takeaways that so you did a certain you had a certain strategy, I'm sure, going through this draft. Is there anything when you think about if you're going to join a league like this next year that you would do differently just in terms of the draft? No, I mean, I thought I was going with what felt like a a safe quarterback Mm -hmm. in Mayfield and then, you know, going for someone with upside with Trevor Lawrence, which I don't trust Urban Meyer. I should have listened to myself on that. you know, whatever, that's the situation I have to live with. And I thought I had taken some relatively safe floor guys because my sort of plan had been to take guys that I thought had a decent floor to get by, you know, the first few weeks and then see what happens in waivers just because I hadn't been in a guillotine league before and, you know, adjust from there. And I think I did all right. I mean, my team hadn't been scoring tons of points, you know. I wasn't near the top of the standings in points overall or anything, but it wasn't, you know, atrocious either. Um, well, maybe it was, but I, it didn't feel that way. So, you know, maybe I need to go for less safe options in my mind. Or honestly, there's enough resources out there on the internet in general or Twitter. And, you know, the guillotine leagues themselves have pages that you can follow and drafts that you can get into to sort of formulate plans. Doing more of that, if I jump into them, would probably make more sense. That way I can just get a better feel than my own speculation of how to go about participating in these. Yeah, I mean, I think the the research that you talk about is obviously a big deal. And you mentioned before that you play in a lot of dynasty leagues. And not to say that dynasty is, isn't evolving, but I think for the most part, people kind of have strategies that are well-established in dynasty at this point in terms of, hey, you know, if you're not, if you don't think you're a legit contender, you got to tear this thing down and be start going for youth and picks. And you see a lot of that, obviously, in, a lo- in every dynasty league every year. You'll see a couple of teams that decide... They're cashing in on what they have now to, to rebuild because they know they're not a serious contender long term. And that strategy, you know, and that largely because of how long Dynasty has been around is kind of established. 
I feel like the guillotine league is still young enough that there may not be this quote unquote blueprint that everybody follows. Because like you said, you went with what you thought were were safe players. They're not boomer bust guys because in a format like this, you have a an injury in week one or a guy that's a bust in week one. You could be gone after, you know, the one o'clock games in week one. And you'll see guys who drafted boomer bust and it pays off for them. So I think, you know, yeah. what you, I think what you're talking about is real important, just sort of finding as much of that information as you can out there and taking it in. And I, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a blueprint yet. Like, I think I've, I've read enough articles to feel like I have at least somewhat of an idea. But like, I don't draft good teams in this guillotine league. My running back situation sucks. I mean, I didn't think Leonard Fournette was going to be any good. I thought, honestly, my thing with Leonard Fournette was maybe with that offense, he'll just get goal line carries. And if he just gets a couple goal line carries a week, the weeks he gets touchdowns, he'll be fine. And the way they've used him has obviously been a lot different. He's catching a lot more passes than I expected. So, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of just trying to take in as much information as you can because there's still a lot of different things to be figured out in terms of this format moving forward. Would you play in a league like this again? You said this was the first one and maybe the only one you're doing this year. Would you play in another one next year? Yeah, especially if Sully continues to offer it up as an option, you know, through Rotoheat. It's fun to jump in there with other people that are part of the community and, you know, you add that into doing something that'll still be relatively new to me, even if it isn't my first league. Yeah, I can certainly see myself doing more of these. It's fun, different, and, you know, if you get kicked out early, well, you know, it's one less league that you have to worry about, which, you know, if you're in a bunch of leagues, is uh, some sort of minuscule, you know, consolation, I suppose. So I would say perhaps the thing that I feel like you are the best known for, specifically in our chat, and I don't want to say broadly, but at least in in our chat, is a – I'll just want to refer to them as the Sully-themed um, GIFs or GIFs that you create. How much joy do you get out of that? The main joy that I get out of them is other people seem to enjoy them. You know, <laughs> I'm very good at amusing myself, but amusing a group of other people um, to any degree really is much more hit and miss. And I know that I know Sully the best out of the group chat, and that's why I know he's fine with them. Um, it's always I. It's probably what I'm most known for on Twitter too. Um, not that that means a whole lot, but you know, Rotoheat as a whole does not utilize Twitter as much as some other sites. You know, much more about YouTube, Facebook, mm-hmm. just the website in general. Um, but the way that I've gotten any sort of notoriety is through those on Twitter. And anytime you're going to, to put someone's face on a GIF that uh, you haven't really asked them to do, or you're not really knowing them on a personal level, it can be a bit hit or miss. Um, So I try to do it generally speaking only with people that I know are going to be fine with it, or I think will be fine with it. Um, So that's why I've just, you know, mainly kept him on there, but yeah, you know, fantasy football is supposed to be fun. There's a lot of different ways to have fun and just enjoy a group chat. And that's something that I enjoy doing. And when people like it, Hey, it's, it's good for both sides. And at that point, so, how much money would I have to Venmo you to have you start to do them on a regular basis of Anthony Leone? Like, are we talking like five, ten bucks? Is like thirty? Like, how much money would I have to give you to start to do this to Leone? I've done some of him before, um, 
and generally speaking, I, I think he's been amused by him. You know, you don't really hear from people unless <laughs> they like them. Right. And if you don't hear anything, um, you know, you always have that just in the bank of mind. Like, well, are they mad? Are they just not saying anything? Whatever. I don't think he's one to really mince words. So I don't think that he's had a problem uh, with any of the few that I've done of him. I don't I don't know if I've done any in that group chat or not. I probably haven't. But no, I I've had other people, you know, offer me money. And generally speaking, these things take, you know, two to three minutes at most if I don't have a photo of someone because the nice thing about the internet or in some situations, a bad thing about the internet is you can find a whole lot of information and stuff about people easily. So yeah, uh, money, no, I don't need. Uh, but if you want something done, um, let me know. And then, you know, if you have an idea, I'm always open to, I have to find something that's within the app. Mm-hmm. It's a GIF GIF is the app that I use for it. And if there isn't a particular GIF in there, then I have to go add it to the website. And usually there's around 24 hours ish of processing time. So if it's already in the system, it's easy, quick, couple minutes. If it's not, yeah, you know, again, it'll take a little bit, but I don't have a problem doing anything for someone like that. And I certainly don't need money for it. All right. Perfect. We will definitely be discussing that. So obviously you mentioned that you play in a lot of different dynasty leagues. How would you grade our chat? There are moments where I think there have been moments over the past couple of weeks where I felt like it, it, it's great. There've been moments over the season where I think, oh, this is getting out of control quickly. How does our chat stack up to the other leagues that you play in? It's much more active than a lot of them. And I think a large part of that is just the nature of it where, you know, any week you can be gone and, you know, it's not the, Oh, I just, I beat you this week. It's, uh, you know, while you're fourth week in a row of being the second person, you know, in points scored from the bottom, you know, you're, you're going to lose here soon or something. So I think it's edgier to begin with just by the nature of what the league is. And that creates more comments, but also, you know, some more confrontational stuff. And then it's also just harder to gauge, uh, you know, when you don't know most of the people in there on a personal level, and you're just trying to read and interpret things through text, uh, things can get lost in translation earlier without you know, really knowing the person behind it. Um, so it, it's fun to read. Um, but like most of my league chats, I, you know, I don't get notifications on it because it would drive me insane. I'm one of those people that, you know, I have notifications for texts and phone calls and the rest of it is I check it when I check it. Um, so that, that does create a different experience than, you know, the people that are having notifications on to check everything. But overall, I would say that it's good natured and there's been good call outs from people like, hey, this might be crossing the line. Let's just back off a bit. So I've enjoyed it. Yes, I, I can't imagine. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who do. I do not have notifications on for that chat either. Uh, I check it, I would say, multiple times throughout the day just to see what's going on to see if I'm missing anything. But there, there are stretches where if you had notifications on for that, it's blowing up your afternoon. Just trying to catch up to everything would, would, would be impossible on the right day. Yeah, agreed. So it's time for the thing that we've had to do for a while now. Um, If you've listened, you've heard it. We're going to ask you who you want to punch in the face. This one I think is a little more clear cut because of the way everything shaked out with you last week. So your choices for who you'd like to sucker punch. And again, no repercussions. Person doesn't get to take another shot at you. Um, 
Bill Belichick is your first choice for not utilizing Brandon Bolden. And your second choice would just be the Chargers as a whole, because as you identified at the top, you know, they were really the, the, the thing that if one of them had had a monster game like they had had at previous points in the year, we're probably not chatting right now and you're probably getting ready to set a lineup for this coming week. So someone on the Chargers, Bill Belichick, uh, who are you punching? Yeah, it's going to be just uh, the collectiveness of the Chargers. Uh I think it was even just like if maybe not one more, but in all likelihood, like if Herbert throws a touchdown to anyone, you know, gets a few more yards in there, I'm I'm probably fine. And yeah, I wasn't expecting a a score like their previous week, uh, but I did not expect them to be held to six points. And even though as the game's starting to wind down there, I'm like, well, come on, just get something here. But Herbert being under 200 yards with a touchdown and a pick, Man, I, I did not see that coming, and I, I think that will be seen as an outlier throughout the year. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Chargers because I, I trust Belichick to just, you know, mess around with running backs, and that's always a risk that you take mm-hmm. when you're playing one of them. So I sort of assumed there was more of a risk of that than just the Chargers falling flat. All right, so and last thing I'll say before I let you get out of here and get on with your day is – like you said, you know a lot of the guys who are in this league, whether that's uh, you know personal relationships or just you know their teams and their strategies. This does not have to be based on a roster. This can be based on whatever the heck you want it to be. Who's the front runner in this league right now? Oh boy, that's a tough um, one. I know. It'd be too easy um, to go with the person that has the most points scored. I'm going to go with Sully just based on uh, his history and expertise, you know, the number of these that he's played and having a good grasp on how to play, when to play, what to do. And then also the fact that he has a good scoring team right now. Um, so, yeah, sorry if this is the kiss of death, Sully, but I like your team. You know, you've got a nice mix of running backs here. Uh, wide receivers have been showing up probably more than you expected with guys like Jalen Waddell and now Rashad Bateman coming back. And, yeah, it's just a solid team overall. You're near the top in points scored, and you know what you're doing. So I'm going to go with him. All right, sounds good. Craig, thanks so much for hopping on today. Hopefully we'll see you in the chat, and I will make sure we get some of those Anthony Leone creations headed your way. Thanks for your time, bud. No problem. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Hey guys, thanks for joining us again this week for the officially unofficial Roto Heat Guillotine League podcast. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. Hopefully Anthony Leone is joining me next week to discuss why his team ultimately fell apart and Stebbs survived the Week 7 apocalypse of buys that is currently crashing down on his team. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week.